0: Welcome to Wake Up From Your Dream Job Podcast. I'm your host, Kristen McDonald. I took a 13-year tangent in my career, thinking that if I followed others' expectations of me and my job, I would be happy. Instead, I found joy and peace when I focused on the life I wanted and found a job that was an expression of my dreams, not a fulfillment of those dreams. Now it's your turn to dream bigger than just your job. I'll interview coaches, professionals, and people who have been where you are to give you tangible challenges to find fulfillment in and beyond your job. Would you be willing to take a step back in your career in order to lay the foundation for future opportunities? Would you take an unpaid internship if you just got your PhD? Today, my guest, Lindsay Lee, shares this journey, her journey in the psychology space from uncertainty to her PhD, now to helping people with their careers. We cover a variety of different topics, as tends to happen on this podcast, um, including the power of your social media network for finding a job her definition of a dream job, which closely aligns to mine, so we have a lot of fun talking about that, and breaking free of the career paths companies have set for you. Challenge today is a great one, so stay tuned. I'm excited. So Lindsay Lee, PhD, is a senior consultant with over 15 years of experience in corporate training, workplace investigations, leadership, and organizational development, change management, culture management, and litigation avoidance. Lindsay's key expertise is in helping organizations improve their policies and procedures while investing in employee development with the dual goals of positively impacting the organization and supporting the work-life integration of employees. She leverages a better-together mindset that focuses on collaborative thinking and effectiveness of teams. At the Lynch Law Firm, Lindsay focuses her work on a variety of organizational challenges that include EEO and Title IX matters, change management, culture, strategic planning, and organizational development. She is pursuing an International Coaching Federation, or ICF, certification, obtaining specialized coach education through the ACT ACT Leadership and Performance Coaching Program conducted in partnership with Brown University. She holds a PhD and an MS in Industrial Organizational Psychology and an MA in Forensic Psychology and a BS in Experimental Psychology. She maintains membership in the Society for Internet. Industrial and Organizational Psychology, and the Associ- Association of Workplace Investigators. She has so done so much, and there are lots of big words. Okay, not big words. I'm stumbling over them. I wanted to read these, though, because she has so much knowledge that she shares so well. So Lindsay has also authored publications in prominent academic journals, including the International Journal of Management and Decision-Making and the Industrial Organizational Psychologist. Lindsay, it is great to have you on the podcast today. I am blown away by your experience and education. And I feel like that could have been me in a different life. Maybe if I had picked a different path back when I got my bachelor's, so Oh my! You, God. how did, how did you take, how did you get that far? How did you say, Hey, I want to go to a PhD and this is really
1: what I want to do. Yeah, thanks for the question, Kristen. And first of all, thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited to participate in this and speak to your audience. And so I'm really looking forward to where this conversation is going to go. But to go back to your question, I, I've always been kind of an ambitious, kind of driven person. And I got my bachelor's degree in experimental psychology. And in that process, learned, <laughs> frankly, that in in the world of psychology, there's not a lot you can do at the bachelor's level. Uh, Certainly not a lot you can do that makes you any money, which of course, isn't the end all be all as we'll talk about. But, um, is something important, uh, you know, is an important consideration as you're getting started. Mm-hmm. In your career. So I knew at minimum, I was going to be looking at a master's. So I pursued that, um, and, and got a master's in forensic psychology and worked in the management consulting space, interestingly for, um, five or six years. And, uh, I also happened to be a military spouse. And so okay. another challenge with pursuing degrees in psychology is that if you do clinical work, which I learned through the course of my bachelor's and my master's that that isn't really the space I wanted to be in. Didn't feel like my skills were particularly suited to that space. Uh, But I had pursued this path of psychology. And I, I realized that the challenge I was going to continuously have in a a clinical space is the licensure requirements, frankly. And as we moved from one state to the next, I was perpetually going to have to deal with the expense associated Mm. with the licensure, the time uh, and the delays that that would create for me as we transitioned from one place to another. And so I knew I needed to do something different. And the fortunate position I was in at the time was that I had been doing this management consulting work and realized there's this whole world of industrial organizational psychology that exactly <laughs> matches that. And, and so I took an interest in that. And we happened to be moving to Florida where they had a program right in town um, Nice PhD. And because I kind of always had this, this goal in mind that I'd pursue a PhD, uh, that it, it just the stars aligned. <laughs> and, and so that's where I went. And I, you know, I, many military spouses exp- most actually experience a lot of struggle as it relates to maintaining employment, uh, maintaining employment that's commensurate with their skills and experience. Mm-hmm. And I have been an anomaly in that regard, in the sense that it, my husband's career has actually kind of facilitated my ability to pursue my own goals, uh, because it freed me up to take time away from work when um, I was working on my PhD, and we started having our kids and those sorts of things. And so we had the stability of his career mm. that gave me the freedom uh, to to uh, pursue the path that I pursued.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like your path was a little bit mixed between, hey, you did have that freedom, but you were also kind of shoehorned into, well, I don't really want to be clinical because that's not really going to work. And I kind of need a master's because I got my degree in psychology. Yeah.
1: Did you feel in control still going along that path? I feel yes, because it unfolded so organically for me, I think, that sort of one educational experience and one professional experience kind of opened up the next right path or what seemed to be the next right path for me. Uh, And so I didn't feel as constrained throughout my educational journey. I'll, I'll clarify. I didn't feel as constrained as you might think. Okay where I started to feel challenged is when I finished my PhD and I'm like, okay, now I have to get a job. (laughs) (laughs) How am I going to pursue that? And uh, we were living in California at the time and I managed to secure, I actually started with an internship, believe it or not, that was unpaid initially, Uh, but it was remote. And it was in the corporate training space, which is was of interest to me, coming off my PhD, and uh, and so I got this remote opportunity that that led to a job, and I did that for about six years. And uh, but at the same time, I the power of social media, man, this isn't the point <laughs> of this conversation today. But I went on Facebook and I just put in there that I was looking for a job in this kind of space. I'm getting ready to graduate. Let me know if you know of anything or have anything. And that actually led me to the law firm that I work for today uh, because a former colleague of mine in my earlier consulting days now owned a law firm in in Texas and and needed some support. So it started kind of slow, but uh, that's always been a remote position for me as well. So I've been so very lucky to work in the kinds of professional spaces I want to be in, do the good work that I want to do, and do it on a remote basis. So when we moved from California to another place in California... uh, uh, to Denver, to Florida, back to Colorado, <laughs> I was able to maintain uh, my employment throughout all of that and that's just not the typical experience for a military spouse. so i I do recognize how lucky I am. true. that is
0: that is certainly a huge consideration and and blessing for you in that that you were able to find something there. Yeah. I know you said it wasn't part of the conversation, but I'm gonna make it part of the conversation. Sure. Of posting on social. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think it is a huge deal. And and especially where where were you at that point when you posted? You already had that job. No.
1: So okay. I was I was getting ready to finish my PhD. Um, this okay. was probably three or four months before I defended my dissertation. And I was starting to, and maybe I should have felt the pressure before then. But the other thing we had going on at the time is we knew my husband was facing a reassignment. So um, I, I also needed to kind of understand where that was going to take us. And at the time, I was still married to the idea that I was going to have, that my employment was going to be tied to where we lived. And I was going to have to go to an office to work, um, and so, um, so at that time I and and sorry at, at that time I was doing that internship sure. uh, in okay. preparation for my graduate, you know, knowing I was going to be graduating, and I thought you know, if this goes well, you know, we can see if this might turn into something. And if nothing else, I'll have the experience, uh, that, that I can add to my resume mm-hmm. and, uh, and, but it did turn into ultimately, uh, probably six months later, um, a few months after I graduated, that did turn into a full-time remote contractor position. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah,
0: that's, I, it just, I love that part of your story. Oh, thanks. Because it it reflects the idea of you had a PhD or we're finishing that up mm-hmm. and still we're at an internship. Right. Still needed to go on social and ask for help and reach yep. out and see what the network would be able to provide. Everybody, anybody. Absolutely. Should try that at least. You Absolutely.
1: Um, you know, I, I don't think the power of your network can be undersold when it comes to making a career transition, when it comes to finding a job wherever you're at um, in whatever stage of your of your career you're at. Um, and obviously we have the benefit of, of tools like Facebook and LinkedIn and whatnot that we didn't always have. But uh, but I, I used to teach transitioning service members how to get jobs and almost 100% of the time, uh, they'll find their next opportunity leveraging the existing relationships that they have.
0: Yes. And I think that requires us to start having conversations with, not just with family, friends, spouses of, well, here's where I am in my career and here's where I want to go, but with everybody to make it part of the conversation of not just, hey, this is my job, this is what I do, this is where I want to go. This Absolutely. is the direction I'm heading, what I'm looking for. Who or what do you know of that can help along that path?
1: Absolutely. And not being afraid to have those conversations or or embarrassed or uh, you know, those sorts of things. And it's it's such an important point, Kristen, because one of the things I've also learned in my own journey and also during that time I was teaching uh in the transition program for service mm-hmm. members is that you you really have to be prepared to have that conversation with folks because in our culture, anyway, we have become so tied to the idea of what we do being who we are. Oh, yes. And I personally... I'm on a personal mission to try to get away with that because as individuals we're so much more than what we do amen <laughs> and so that identity piece I, we we need to start disentangling our identity our identity from our from our careers I think in some ways and actually it's one of the things I work on with a lot of my clients who are in the midst of career transitions because that can that often often leads at least in my observation, often leads folks to feel stuck because mm-hmm. they have this very narrow view of who they are. Yep.
0: And it is. It's the thing that we initially introduce ourselves. And when we meet new people, it's, absolutely.
1: Oh, what do you do? Absolutely. When you go to a party, what's the mm-hmm. first question you ask? <laughs>
0: I, I've been coming up with other questions
1: that you right. can ask of just how was your week? Right. Do you have plans? Do you have vacation plans for the summer? Right. Other Absolutely. things to focus on, other yeah. parts of who people are because it oh and yeah. I don't I don't want to diminish for folks who you know, and I'm one of them, right? I've invested a lot of time and energy in mm. my education and have been very career driven for so long. But it, and so I don't want to diminish what that means to people. Um, even if you don't spend a ton of time in school, um, <laughs> a lot of times you know work has inherent meaning for us as humans, and I don't want to diminish that. But at the same time, it, it, none of us are solely that, and I think there needs to be space to recognize that and celebrate it. Yeah, and it.
0: I'm actually thinking right now. It, it work has meaning, but it's not our identity. Right. And how do we allow that to be true and keep that meaning of the work that we're doing, but not let it become all of who we are?
1: Yeah, our entire personality.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. For sure. And I want to ask then related to, I mean, back to that internship, what was that like for you to say, hey, I've got all this education (laughs) and
1: I'm going to go to an unpaid internship? Yeah, it's such an insightful question, Kristen, Um, because I definitely, I'm I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. I definitely had a moment where I thought I'm too good for this. (laughs) I think everybody else would agree with you on that too. (laughs) It's silly. It is silly in hindsight. But at the same time, I was like, man, I worked for five years working with high-level executives and organizations and giving them advice and guidance. I've been I've spent eight years in this PhD program. Yes, it took me eight years. <laughs> I had two kids at the time, or, or during that course of time. But uh, you know, I spent eight years um, in this PhD program where I got to um, I got to teach. I got to do some consulting gigs. I got to do research. I got to you know collaborate with um, my colleagues on publications. I had all of these, what I thought were really rich, valuable experiences. And you're right. There's a mindset orientation that you had to put yourself in after, you know, having those experiences and having a certain concept of myself in order to take a, a chance that may go somewhere, may not go somewhere, feels like it's beneath me but maybe i'm not above anything and <laughs> and i and at that time the really drive it really the driving factor for me as a military spouse and i guess that's where the constraint comes in right is I knew this was a remote opportunity and it was a remote opportunity in my field that I had been working for so long and so hard at. And it felt like it would be a missed opportunity if I didn't take it. And we were just in the very fortunate position that I could give my time freely for a short period of time Mm -hmm. in order for a bigger payout.
0: Yeah. What helped you see that it, it was that piece to something bigger?
1: Um, it was, it was, practical experience in a segment of the field I I had been training in for so long. And you probably know this to be true about jobs. When you're out in the market trying to find a position, even entry-level positions sometimes require experience. (laughs) So so, although I had these experiences and I had a pretty well-rounded resume at the time, I definitely felt like I wasn't there, there was something, there was something missing, or there was something about my experience that wouldn't make me competitive. And so I just felt a a very strong need to be able to demonstrate in a very practical way. Uh, even if this didn't turn into something for me professionally, that I'd be able to go back into the job market with a little bit more confidence. Sure.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) So bigger than, and having come through this job and working in an organization of helping other people with kind of, okay, where are they going? What does it mean to have a dream job? What is your definition of that?
1: This was such a fascinating question to answer because I hadn't given it much thought since my early days in career until this opportunity to chat with you came up, Kristen. And in reflecting on it, it did take me some time because I think for me, and, and what I try to convey to my clients is a dream job is really one that aligns with your core values as an individual that someone will pay you for. <laughs> um, and that recognizes what you're worth in that way. Uh, and I, I think there's so much, uh, To be learned from investing time in developing, it goes back to that idea of identity, right, Kristen? We Mm -hmm. talked about um, our identity being more than what we do for work, and your core values are part of that. And I don't think in our culture, and certainly in the way we're trained to educate ourselves and get jobs – there's no space for that. There's no time for that. Nobody talks about it. No, no one encourages you to get in touch with who you think you are as a person and what is important to you. Um, We just kind of, you know, I think at least in my experience, you just follow the stream of expectation. Yep. And I think- they give you what the job
0: description is. You're
1: supposed to follow it that's it. Right. And you'll find success if you go in and you do these things on this list. And, and it's, and I think what a lot of folks are finding and why I think a lot of my clients end up being sort of, I don't want to say middle-aged, but mid-career folks Mm -hmm. who are kind of rethinking their approach to career, their approach to life and, and the integration of those things. And I think it's because over time we start to better understand what fulfills us, where we put our priorities, what's mm-hmm. important to us. Um, we somehow come to some realization of that, even if it's not fully in, in our in our self-awareness that that's what, what's happening. That's been my observation.
0: Is that just a natural occurrence as you get older and start reflecting or are there ways or key triggers that you've seen people take in order to start evaluating their identity?
1: Um, I think there are key triggers that happen for people, and it's different from one client to the next. Sometimes it's a really bad job experience that they've had that helps them get clarity on why there's a misalignment. Um, Sometimes it's that they've been doing the same thing for so long that they don't feel challenged anymore and need something new and exciting. Uh, So I think there is, I, I don't think unless we're forced in some ways that there is necessarily an organic way to get there. I do think that a lot of times it takes some sort of wake up moment. Mm. I don't. That's been my observation. I don't yeah. know if that's true for everybody, but that's that's definitely been my observation that there's something, even if it's not a dramatic event, there's there's something that happens over time that that kind of forces people to reevaluate, rethink. Yeah, yeah at least that that's true for me.
0: Oh. I and my. Moment really came from my personal life yeah. and recognizing, oh, I need to take care of some areas of my life, and that spilled over into okay, what does it mean with where I'm working and what do I care about? And I looked around and went, how did I end up in this job? <laughs> <laughs> I was like this is it's not bad, and I did like I did intentionally get into that department because I. Wanted to. Yeah. So there was there was some intention to it. Sure. But as I really started to um, I was going through counseling at the time and recognizing, oh, I have anxiety, I need to do something about that. Mm-hmm. I took that opportunity to reflect on every area of my life and looked and went, why am I this job does not actually align with what I really want. Yes. I want to move to this department in this particular role because that's more who I am. Mm-hmm. And it was considered a backwards move for most people. <laughs> They're like, why are oh, you, you going? You had
1: your internship moment. I did. You
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And everyone's like, no, everybody's supposed to flow the other direction. I'm like, I'm going to go where I want to go. Thank you.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, that's right. And just, <laughs> oh, it was, it was a but, good reminder and recognition that there are those paths that are expected at jobs. Yes. It, it may yes. take breaking those to go where you want to go.
1: Yep. And and isn't that the weight that we all live under oh. so much, the weight of expectation and the way we come to self-absorb those expectations, even if they're not our own? Mm. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because we assume the company's been around for some time. In most cases, mm-hmm. been around for a while. This is the way work goes. Mm-hmm. The, there are these expectations. I'm supposed to do them. The company is building out my career path for me. Yep. And we never stop to think. Yeah, but is this really
1: the path I want to follow? Yeah, and does it fulfill me in ways that are important to me? Yeah, and I I do want to couch this conversation with the recognition and, and you probably will identify with this as well, Kristen, but feel free to tell me if you don't. Um, I want to couch this conversation with the recognition that I have had an incredible amount of privilege along the way for, to allow me to take this perspective. And I recognize Uh that the path I've taken, the journey I've been on, the opportunities that I've had will not be everyone's experience. And, and I mean, sometimes you just have to do what you have to do to pay the bills and you can't prioritize your fulfillment in any meaningful way. Uh, But I do think that, that sometimes, even when you're not in a privileged position or you don't have the opportunities before you in the way that I have, that pausing for a moment to have some introspection might lead you down a different path you didn't consider before because you've been in survival mode.
0: True. That's that is a great point and recognition that not everybody quite has that same kind of freedom right to pursue any direction that they want to take.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I yeah, I I'd be curious like you said if take that moment and pause and maybe it sends you Simply to working different hours yeah. at the same company or working at a competitor because the the culture is a little bit different or there's some mm-hmm. nuance to it. So that there still can be that pursuing something that's a better fit. Yeah. Even if it still is, hey, I got to do what I got to do to yep. survive. Yep. Yeah. Because that's, that's a piece of it. There needs to be some of that fulfillment, enjoyment, something. So it doesn't completely drain you and you can live the rest of your life.
1: Yeah. And I think it prepares you possibly to, to take some risks that you might not have taken or get a little bit creative, a little more creative about how you think about work and the role of work in your life. And, you know, frankly, not everybody has a drive and ambition for work to be their thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I think about my mom and she's, She's an incredibly, uh, she's an all-star performer wherever she's working, but she has no desire to be in management or supervise anybody or have that level of responsibility. She is perfectly fulfilled being an all-star individual contributor. Yeah. And, and that. We need all-star individual contributors everywhere we go. <laughs> you know, not everyone needs to want a PhD. Not everyone yes. needs to, you know to want to aspire to the highest levels of an organization. Yeah. Uh, you know, not everybody defines success in that way. So I think that's part of this process of getting in touch with your core values. I think it also reveals to you how you actually think about success in your life. And you don't have to let other people define success for you.
0: Mm. So I'm going to put you on the
1: spot, Lindsay. (laughs) I haven't been on the spot so far. (laughs) What? How do you define success? Ooh. You know, before I had kids, this is, I don't know, this is probably cliche, but. I would have answered this question differently before I had kids. Before I had kids, I would have told you getting the PhD, being a high-level executive in an organization. You know, I had the I came from a small town in the Midwest, so I had these ideas of being like a high-powered city woman and living living that kind of life. But I'm telling you, as soon as my kids came along, it was there was a real mindset shift around and and I do think this is how I got in touch with my own core values um in part because i'm a military spouse and also as a result of that what i call the default parent um you know i'm the one who fills out all the forms and makes all the mm-hmm. appointments thinks about the schedule and gets kids registered for this sport or that activity and so you know uh in in some regards i i i invited that into my life right and so for me now success is Finding is I, I feel most successful when I feel balanced, when I feel like I'm giving as much as I need to give in my work life, uh, such that it enables me to be the parent I want to be and the spouse I want to be. And that ebbs and flows, right? Today, tomorrow, next week, might feel differently the next year. Um, but ultimately for me, that's that's what success looks like.
0: Yeah. I think I have something similar as well. It's, it's, can I be who I was made to be? Yeah. And it is, it's, it's that success then gets measured in a fluid manner that can change depending on where I am, what season, what I'm doing, those pieces. It's not this fixed of,
1: I need to be in this role. I need to accomplish X, I achieved, I I climbed this mountain and therefore I am successful. I think it's a process. Yeah. And that, that, that idea of seasonality that you just mentioned, I think is so important because like I said, how I would have defined success in my twenties is different than now that I'm of a certain other age. (laughs) (laughs) In late 20s <laughs> right My right late that's
0: right <laughs> it's, uh, something else we really besides getting our identity tied up from work and focusing yeah. solely on that when we meet people i think this would be a huge other thing i would love to see change is the uh, not picking something so early in life yeah Hate the question of what do you want to be when you want to grow up? Right. Listen to me, you should know that already. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it's it's this idea like we just we make these very solid decisions, or we force people or encourage people to make these solid decisions. When I look back and reflect on my life, and I'm like, no, they've shifted, they've changed, and they need to be allowed to change as kids come along, as Family shift is you've had to move multiple yeah. different times with the military. It's why does this have to be something that gets set in stone, or why do we treat it like it's getting set in stone?
1: Can't it's a, we- a trap. It's a trap, right? Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> yes. Actually, I wrote about this very idea recently, and and it sets you up. I think for so much anxiety that's unnecessary, for so much pressure that's unnecessary, for so much um, self-doubt that gets kind of baked Mm. in the way. Um, And you're right. I I do think kids and people more generally need, and talk about core values, freedom is one that constantly comes up for me Mm. um, in so many ways. Um, But having the freedom to try something and fail having the freedom to, to make a decision that's unexpected to have the freedom to take a risk. Um, we, that's just not baked into the way we live our lives, unfortunately. And and unless you're real intentional about it and unless you have a safety net. Yep. Yeah.
0: And that's my value is exploration. And it's that same thing of how do we, take it and grow and not pretend like I know everything, but how can I come at it from a curious perspective yeah. and test and try? And if it doesn't work, try something else and just yeah. go exploring instead of picking and having something solid. And I think really? that was my that was my biggest problem um, when I got my psych bachelor's was I didn't know what else there was and felt like I had to pick and decide and i didn't know where i wanted to go and yeah it absolutely. led me on a tangent yep so yeah that's the tough part
1: absolutely absolutely none of this is easy <laughs> <laughs> none of it is but i think that it becomes it it gets made harder by mm-hmm. expectations that aren't our own by Feeling forced into a box, or feeling like you have to take a certain path because that's what you do when you get a bachelor's degree in psychology or that's what you do when you decide to become an attorney or that's right. what you do when you know uh, you know you follow the path that's been laid before you. and I think um, I think that's that is really constraining and and leads to a lot of of um well, uh, frankly, it leads to a lot of the moments that bring their client bring my clients to me in some ways. <laughs> So maybe this is good for us. No, I'm just kidding. I know, right? (laughs) I'm happy to be a shepherd in in someone else's process. But, um, and I mean, for my clients, they come out on the other side of it, feeling more self-assured and feeling less tied to those expectations that were set for them. Um, But that's not, you know, not everybody's in that position to be able to get that guidance or to be able to rethink their situation. Uh, and so, um, I I hope that's what folks will take away from this conversation that we've had is that even if you can't afford a coach, even if you can't make a career transition today, even if you have to stay in the job that you're in, maybe thinking about, you know, investing a little time in yourself that doesn't have to cost anything other than your time Mm -hmm. and energy and, and really getting in touch with what is the most important to you for you one of those things is exploration for me one of those things is freedom and uh and you know you can f- go go google i encourage all of your listeners google you know understanding my core values or what have you and you're going to find all kinds of tools online to guide yourself through the process and that might open doors for you that that weren't open for you previously or you hadn't thought were doors you could you could even knock on
0: yeah well that's a that's a great way to put it and summarize and that, and that's a lot of what I want to do with this podcast is to get people thinking differently. Maybe you're at that point and maybe you realize that you're kind of stuck following other expectations, maybe you are slowly realizing it as you listen. <laughs> um and to provide tangible challenges for you each week that you can do something on your own. Absolutely. That you don't have to reach out. I love to have a chat and conversation, but you don't have to do that. Take some step. Mm -hmm. And that's where these challenges come in. So Lindsay, is that your challenge? You want us to go Google what are my core value options? Or do you have
1: something specific? I or something else. I think that's the concrete challenge, right? Is go Google it and, and give yourself an hour to think about what your what your core values are and get in touch with those. And then give yourself another hour to think about how fundamentally how can we live a life in in our profession in our in our work that serves our core values instead of the other way around and by that i mean how how can we build a life that that enables us to lean in to the things that mean the most to us and lean out of the things that aren't serving us. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, that comes with an incredible amount of privilege, but I think the Mm -hmm. thought exercise is worth it for everyone and the Googling. (laughs) Because there may be some of the smallest changes that you
0: could make that are in service of your values. Mm -hmm. Even if you can't make a dramatic
1: career change. That's right. Maybe it's how you retool your free time. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Awesome.
0: Well, yeah, that's incredibly tangible. (laughs) Google your core values, take an hour (laughs) to think on which ones resonate with you. And then how would you live in service of those values? That's right. Love it. Lindsay, anything else you want to share that's like, Oh, I've got to say this about dream jobs.
1: I just want to emphasize the point we made earlier about the idea of a dream job being being a trap. And I started that piece I wrote about it. Actually, was just in our company newsletter that we share with our clients. And uh, and it started with that idea that from the early from the time we are about to even start school, the questions come: What do you want to be when you grow up? I'm guilty of it. I've asked my kids that. I asked yep. my kids that. All the time, as that the idea changed? But it yes. is—it's what you're expected to ask. That's right, and they're expected to know. Yep, more than that, right? And so, uh, so I just want to remind everybody that that you get to define what your dream job is, and it doesn't have to be relative to someone else's standard for success or what you should. I think we get so trapped in the shoulds or the oughts rather than our own. Rather than spending time to understand our own desires and fulfillment. Mm
0: -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. That's great, Lindsay. Well, where can people find you if they do want to connect or learn more about
1: you? Yeah. So I am on LinkedIn. Uh, just search for Lindsay Lee PhD and you'll find me there. Um, I also, and you'll see me on our company website, lynchlf.com. That's L-Y-N-C-H-L-F.com. Uh, and you can reach me through our, uh, through our company page as well.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I love this because I get to talk about my soapbox issues <laughs> And it's not just me blabbing on forever. I can go, hey, look, somebody else cares about this too. It feels so luxurious, doesn't it? (laughs) It is. It's quite nice. And hopefully everybody out there will recognize that, hey, this is something that is worth consideration um, and is transformative for your life. Really is.
1: That's been my observation. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Kristen. Appreciate it.
0: I always think it's fun when you come across somebody who has very similar views with you. Obviously, you can connect and share and get excited about the same kind of things. I try not to find myself in those circles all the time because I know I need to have different opinions as well. But this conversation with Lindsay was amazing, and hopefully you got something out of it. Lindsay's challenge was incredibly simple and organic as we talked about it. To think about what your core values are and to develop those and then figure out how you can live a life to serve your core values, particularly with work, but it could be in any area of your life. Lindsay mentioned going and Googling on how do I find my core values? How do I figure that out? And that's absolutely an option. For me personally, my values, my core values of exploration, advocacy, and generosity with kindness by faith for my business came through using the core values journal at bestself.co. I've used their materials multiple times. I am not getting paid for this, although maybe I should be, Uh, but I absolutely loved the process that they had in their core values journal, along with cards that you could kind of sort through different values. Recommend that or going and Googling. Take some time if you haven't already figured out those values, figure out what they are, And then take that extra step of, okay, what would it look like to build that into my life? Maybe in just a small way. Maybe you don't even take action right now. Thinking and getting clear on that for yourself is also progress. I would love to be able to help you in this process as well of figuring out what your goals or your values are to live by. If you want to work with me, go to uh, wakeupfromyourdreamjob.com and there's an option to schedule time with me and we can talk about that. We can also talk about incorporating best self's core value journal in that if you don't want to buy that separately and want to go through it with somebody. And always for the latest info on this podcast, challenge accountability and more, don't forget to sign up for the podcast newsletter also at wakeupfromyourdreamjob.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, questions, and how the challenge is going for you this week, as well as what are your goals? What are your values? What did you come up with? You can email me at kristen at kristenmcdonald.com. And of course, I appreciate it if you subscribe and share this podcast. Wake up and dream.